When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Out front next, Ivanka Trump doesn't recall the former Trump org executive vice president under oath, repeatedly saying she didn't remember key details about the family business she ran. With me tonight, a top Trump business reporter who was there in the courtroom, former Trump White House lawyer Ty Cobb and Amarosa Manigault Newman. Plus, Israel tonight says it's destroyed 130 Hamas tunnel shafts. We have a special report uh, of what's inside those tunnels, the spider web crisscrossing underneath Gaza, and what that underground warfare looks like right now as the death toll mounts in Gaza. And Trump's opening up about a potential VP pick. Could it be that guy? Let's go out front. And good evening, I'm Erin Burnett. Out front tonight, I don't recall. Those three words were Ivanka Trump's most used on the witness stand today in the New York fraud trial against her father and brothers, a trial that could put an end to the Trump family business. Ivanka Trump, who is not a defendant because of the statute of limitations, said that she struggled to remember basic important details about the finances of the business she ran. For example, when asked if she discussed Trump's finances during a meeting with government officials about acquiring the Trump D.C. hotel, she said, quote, I don't recall. It's worth mentioning in this context that she, of course, was the person in charge of the Trump D.C. hotel deal. In fact, Ivanka Trump played a crucial role in developing some of Trump's most marquee properties, including not just that D.C. post office that became a Trump hotel, but Trump's Doral Golf Resort and his towers in Chicago and Toronto. And her job title was Executive Vice President for Development and Acquisitions at the Trump Organization. So, of course, it does seem to defy basic reality to not recall, but that is exactly what she said when she was asked what might be the most basic question. Did she ever help review or value assets? Her answer? She does not recall. Again, she was in charge of development and acquisition, so reviewing and valuing assets, to put it very basically, is core to the entire job. In fact, Ivanka Trump served as a primary contact for Deutsche Bank, the Trump organization's largest lender, the organization at the heart of this. And Attorney General Letitia James took note of Ivanka Trump's responses. Ivanka Trump was cordial. She was disciplined. She was controlled um, and she was very courteous. But her testimony um, raises some questions with regards to its credibility. Ivanka Trump was key, in the loop, a central player. Something, in fact, that her father loved to brag about. And Ivanka is really in charge of that one. And 
She's done an amazing job, and it's going to be one of the most beautiful hotels. One of the reasons, I think Ivanka can tell you this even better than me, that we won for the old post office. I think we had a better concept, because that was a highly sought-after project. My children now have grown, Ivanka, Don, Eric. They're very, very ensconced in the company. Ensconced. In a 2013 interview with Forbes, Trump went on to say of Ivanka, quote, Ivanka was always a natural-born dealmaker, but she's become a very good builder and manager. Ivanka Trump's role, in fact, did expand, in part because she built a brand on knowing small but important details about the project she was working on. Over many years, I would hear this about people who interacted with her, about how much she knew about specifics of room rates and details about hotels. Just listen to her herself when she was talking about the deal to convert that old post office in Washington into a Trump hotel. We're going to develop a super luxury hotel, 272 rooms, the largest ballroom of any of the luxury hotels in all of D.C., unbelievable meeting space, unbelievable spas, restaurants, and really bring in tremendous amounts of life and vitality to Pennsylvania Avenue and to obviously the hotel itself. Which is why, just one example, uh, the prosecutors say her testimony of not recalling didn't add up, and she claims she could no longer remember basic details about that project's financial statements. Well, Ivanka Trump's business practices, along with those of the rest of her family, have long, though, raised questions. We investigated Trump's businesses back when he was president for a documentary here on CNN. I spoke to Andrea Bernstein, a top investigative reporter who's been covering Trump's finances for over a decade. And just listen to what she said about Trump's New York hotel condominium. Similar story in Soho. In June 2008, Ivanka Trump told reporters that 60% of the units there had sold. Court documents later showed the real number was closer to 15%. There were emails between the younger generation of Trumps, Ivanka and Don Jr., and the brokers that acknowledged that they realized that the building was not 60% sold, but they went ahead and said it anyway. So they lied. So they lied about how many units were sold. All right, now in a moment, I'm going to speak to Andrea Bernstein because she was in that courtroom today. Also with me tonight, former Trump White House lawyer Ty Cobb and Amarosa Menegal Newman, who served in the Trump White House and spent a lot of time over the years with Ivanka Trump. I want to begin, though, with Paula Reed because she has been covering this case from the very beginning. So, Paula, obviously this was important testimony because obviously you've got the Trump family testifying. But in this case, Ivanka Trump was not technically a defendant because of the statute of limitations, uh, but she was a witness. Did she move the needle at all in the case today? Well, good evening, Erin. Ivanka tried many times, many different ways, to avoid having to make this appearance today. But once she was on the witness stand, she was far less combative than her father and her brothers have been when questioned. But given her evasiveness, it's not clear she was any more helpful for the state's case. Ivanka Trump breezed past cameras inside a New York courthouse Wednesday, not saying a word. Ahead of her testimony in the state's $250 million civil fraud trial against her father and his company. New York Attorney General Letitia James addressed reporters before the proceedings. Ivanka Trump secured negotiated loans 
um, to obtain favorable terms based on fraudulent statements. But on the stand, Ivanka repeatedly said she didn't recall when she was pressed for details about several projects she worked on before she left the Trump Organization in 2017, including the old post office in Washington, D.C., which was converted into a Trump hotel, a deal her father says Ivanka spearheaded. I'm honored to be here today to support my family and especially my daughter Ivanka for her dedication to this project. During her testimony, Ivanka said she did not recall when asked about a deficiency letter sent by the government requesting clarity on how the Trump Organization reported its finances, including her father's financial statements. My father trained my siblings and me to see things not for what they are, but for what they can be. This is a great example of that. The hotel was sold in 2022, and Ivanka testified she profited from that sale. She was also asked about financing for Trump's Doral Resort and Spa in Florida and was confronted with an email she wrote to other Trump Organization employees about the bank's loan term proposal, saying it doesn't get better than this. The bank required Donald Trump to maintain a $3 billion net worth to obtain favorable loan terms. But according to an email presented in court, Ivanka proposed changing the requirement to $2 billion as part of the loan negotiations, even though Trump's 2011 financial statements estimated his net worth at $4.2 billion. They finally agreed to $2.5 billion, but the exchange is significant because the attorney general is accusing Trump of falsifying his net worth in order to get better loan rates. Ivanka Trump was previously dismissed as a co-defendant in this case, and in a previous deposition, she tried to distance herself from her father's financial statements. I don't specifically know what was prepared on his behalf for him as a person. And during cross-examination by her father's attorney, Ivanka testified about the relationship she cultivated with the bank and their willingness to do business with Trump's company. She testified the bank had tremendous excitement to have our account. Now Trump's lawyers will have the chance to put on a defense that's expected to begin next week. We've got a little preview of how they'll approach this during their cross-examination. It's clear they're going to emphasize how the banks were all repaid. There was no victim here. But it's unclear that that will be enough to sway this judge. Remember, there's no jury here. They're focused now on the penalties after this judge found them liable for fraud. And one of the things on the line here is the Trump Organization's ability to do business in the state of New York. All right, Paula, thank you very much. And, and always worth, uh, as we go to Andrea Bernstein here, remembering that both sides of this trial agreed to it being this way, right? That Trump agreed to having a judge in charge and not a jury. So this is... Uh, this is what they all chose to do. Uh, Andrea Bernstein is out front. She has long covered Trump's business legal matters for NPR. Your latest podcast on the courts is We Don't Talk About Leonard from ProPublica as well as on the media. So you were in court today and you've been there for the Trump children's testimony, Trump's testimony, but here for Ivanka. Did anything about her testimony surprise you, Andrea? I wouldn't say her testimony surprised me. However, some of the d detailed documents that they got into evidence today were illuminating. She was trying hard to get 
loans for these properties, Chicago, Doral in Florida, the post office in Washington, D.C., was corresponding with various bankers. And there were emails that came in where she was basically getting rebuffed by the commercial real estate divisions of these banks like Deutsche Bank where, and where some of the bankers were saying to her, this was right after the financial crisis, not long after, and they were saying, we don't actually, we're, we don't, there is not a lot of investor interest in what they called hospitality paper, that is loans for hotels and resorts. Right. And they were offering her rates of maybe around 9%. And she was in touch with a number of bankers. And then her husband, Jared Kushner, she testified, introduces her to a woman named Rosemary Vrablick, who was formerly at Deutsche Bank in charge mm -hmm. of the personal wealth, their right, personal the per wealth portfolio, yeah. private client division, which is for high net worth clients. And they offer her a rate that is so low that Ivanka says, I don't even want to negotiate this because there's no way we can do better. It was somewhere around 2%. And the catch was they had to guarantee it with Donald Trump's statement of personal financial worth and that he had to repeatedly certify that he was worth what he right. said. So she made that agreement. They got this much better rate uh, with that guarantee right. But the underlying statements two percent versus nine, and that right. and that's uh, right. But and also just to point out, I guess what you're saying is uh, the documents spoke for themselves. Yes, exactly. Right? She may not have recalled, exactly. but that's all on she paper said, in I black think and for white. Just about every document, I don't remember. I don't specifically recall, but there but she there. was with mm. this, in, as you say, in black and white. And what was so interesting is that the minute she was asked about, okay, well, what about the statement of financial conditions? Oh, I don't recall. I had nothing to do with that, which was essentially the same as her father and brother said. I mean, Donald Trump sort of admitted maybe he had some input. Yes. The other two who were in charge of the company and are to this day right. basically said, oh, that wasn't us. That was on the accountant. And you think, well, who is running right. this very large international And of course, in her point, right, she's running uh, the, right. the Trump International Hotel in D.C. deal. Right. Um, so if you're going to be certifying something right. to get a loan for that and you're in charge right. of that, of course, you would right. be responsible and, and, for the and certification. And the solution to the, yeah. to the old post office meeting, and she was like, I don't remember anything about their questions to us, but she did remember the name of the architect, the name of the individual from the Trump Organization, who had made a presentation, what her father said hmm. about the Plaza Hotel, all these other details, but not Selective amnesia. the state of financial <laughs> okay. conditions. So, um, you know, the, the attorney general said Ivanka Trump was cordial, disciplined, controlled, very courteous, right? She made the point about that. She said that but before she, said, she testified. Right. <laughs> all true. <laughs> and, right? Okay, so she was on brand. You got what you expected in that regard. But she, uh, Letitia James wanted to say her testimony raises questions with regards to its credibility. The veracity question. Was that your impression? Well, I do think that, that she is obviously someone who is in charge of the details, and she acknowledged them. I mean, she talked about 700 units at Doral. She talked mm -hmm. about the spa. We just saw her talking about the old post office. Very familiar in painting a picture of these oh, developments. Yes. But then when it came to being questioned about the underlying financials, not yeah. so much. Right. And as I said, I've known over the years, talking to people who even in casual dinner, dinners with her would say she knows yeah. everything about every square foot, every number. And she prided herself upon that yes. knowledge. So, all right, Andrea, thank you very much. And let's go now to the former Trump White House lawyer, Ty Cobb. So, Ty, what is the impact of Ivanka's testimony today as you see it? I see it as totally inconsequential and perhaps a tactical error by the uh, prosecutors because they didn't get any evidence in that they didn't really already have. As you said, you know, the documents really spoke for themselves. Now, there's a little theater, of course. Right. Um, but 
But I, I, I'm concerned, you know, as a former prosecutor and somebody who believes, you know, you can't, you know, just because of, you know, Donald Trump's big lie and his crimes and, um, you know, the many uh, uh, tragic things that he's done and uh, the damage he's done to the country, um, you know, you can, you can ass assess him one way, but you, I think, fairly have to assess each of the other uh, individuals associated with him, you know, on their own merits. And I don't think Ivanka added you know, anything uh, uh, to the evidentiary um, uh, circumstances that the uh, So, Ty, do you think they just uh, should have, they could have introduced those emails and done that without her testimony? As Andrea is saying, you know, the things that prove that the, the rates that were being offered for loans were 9%, and then in comes Deutsche Bank with this miraculous 2%, and they're like, giddy up, let's go, don't ask questions. Yeah, exactly. Because that's that's exactly what happened. The chronology is they went through the you know, real estate uh, group um, and tried to uh, you know tried to tried that route. But you know, as you pointed out, there's a separate division for um, you know high wealth individuals. Um, so they went so they went that route. They got better terms. Um, you know, the negotiations over you know the net worth. You know, that's that was clearly. Uh, laid out in a series of emails, and I think, as I recall, one of the emails um, between her and the lawyers, she was content to leave it at three, and the lawyers negotiated it down ultimately to two and a half, yeah. which is, of course, what you what you would want, you know, in order to maintain flexibility in the in the event of a market crash or a liquidity issue. Uh, so it's not it's not unusual to negotiate that term. I guess right. I just I, I'm concerned only because I look at what Trump's real goal here is, you know, to turn this into political um, scapegoating. Yeah, political scapegoating and, you know, his insistence that this is, you know, part of a witch hunt um, and, you know, he's being, um, un, you know, unfairly attacked. And the fact that, you know, she really didn't add much. Um, I'm afraid that I'm afraid that sort of feeds that theme. He, he'll certainly use it that way, uh, and I hate to see him. I hate to see him get away with that. So I, I don't. I didn't view anything she said yeah. as you know as particularly significant legally, and I'm concerned that the politics of it you know may favor uh, uh, Trump and his attorney's efforts to uh, well, uh, uh, pretend to be victims. And to your point, uh, Ty, the point that you're making on that, obviously the way she handled herself um, is very differently than how Trump himself handled it. As Andrea was just pointing out, Letitia James made the comment about Ivanka's performance before she even did her performance, right? It was so on brand. It was right. so consistent. Um, okay. Uh, cordial and, and polite. And then she yeah. criticized, her, criticized yeah. her afterwards. And, and I have to say that's, that's playing from an ethics book that as a former prosecutor, I'm not I'm not familiar with in the middle of a trial. Well, do you think Trump himself learns anything from the way Ivanka handled herself? Obviously, it's very different than how he handles himself, but he's going to be back on the, on the stand again next week, of course. <coughs> right. Yeah, he, he um, you know, he didn't learn anything. I mean, you know, this is, he can't, he doesn't have Ivanka's intelligence or discipline, in, in my own view. And, um, and, you know, the fact, I mean, the truth is, the, the interesting thing is, yeah, there is no evidence, and they presented her with none that she actually was involved with the financials. So the fact that she doesn't recall being involved in the financials, you know, seems to be consistent with with the evidence. Now Trump himself admitted 
actually reviewing some of the financials and making changes. And that that was a stunning admission that I think is very damning and legally very consequential. Uh, so I think um, uh, I don't think you'll see Ivanka again in the case, but I'm I'm sure you'll see uh, I'm sure you'll see Trump and his uh, and and several of his uh, officers and directors. Yeah. Um, so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting, but I I just I just hate to see him get away with playing the victim, which I think today gave him an opportunity to do. All right, Ty Cobb, thank you very much. And next, former My President pleasure. Trump Thanks, is Sam. about to speak. All right, thank you. Is about to speak after his daughter just testified in New York. Uh, he wants to have his stay even tonight. Also out front, former Apprentice contestant and Trump White House aide Amarosa Manigault Newman. Plus the breaking news, the United States retaliating tonight, carrying out a series of strikes in Syria in response to attacks on American forces. And three giant pandas now going back to China from the National Zoo in Washington, ahead of schedule. And this matters. China uses its pandas to send a crucial diplomatic message to the world. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. All right, these are live pictures of Florida. Uh, Yeah, there's a debate, but... This is actually a Trump rally. Donald Trump is holding a rally there tonight. His son, Don Jr., you see, speaking right now. Foreign president's on the campaign trail. His business empire hanging in the balance. The New York Attorney General's office did rest the case today with that testimony from Ivanka Trump. And Kristen Holmes is out front. So, Kristen, um, Trump is going to speak. Obviously, this trial goes at the heart of every single thing uh, by which he defines himself and, and his, his life and his success. So what are you expecting tonight? Aaron, look, we're likely going to hear about the trial for two reasons. One, as you say, it has consumed him. It goes to the core of who he is, and he's been particularly angry at the fact that Ivanka had to testify, but also because of who he's speaking to tonight and the voters that he is trying to court, particularly Cuban voters. And as you know, Donald Trump has painted his legal problems as political persecution, and he believes that that will help him with Hispanic voters, which are going to be very critical in the general election. And Aaron, I have to say, former President Trump has had the general election election on his mind. He still believes he's going to be the nominee. And he was even asked today about what he would do about a specific person that we all know if they consider him as a running mate. Take a listen. Would you consider Tucker, though, based on the... I like Tucker a lot. I guess I would. I think I'd say I would because he's got great common sense. 
Now, that was the first time I've heard that. And as you know, Aaron, I talk to Trump's campaign advisors on a regular basis. But Donald Trump is one to want to stoke a show to put forward something that people will talk about. So there it was, Tucker Carlson. That would be very interesting. But as far as I've been told by campaign advisors, there's no one on a short right. list yet. It's all just up in the air. Right, right. It'll be whatever he thinks opportunistically at some point makes sense. All right, Kristen, thank you very much. And what Kristen's there at, at that rally and waiting Trump there, what he'll say about the trial comes just hours after Ivanka Trump's testimony when she said she did not recall uh, the key details at the center of big business deals and financial loans uh, that she was in charge of. Ivanka Trump has boasted on the record about how involved she was in the business. She wrote in one of her, her book, quote, I was Donald Trump's eyes and ears on the board as I was at the Trump Organization and on his reality television show. Out front now, I'm Rosa Manigault-Newman. She was a contestant on that reality show, The Apprentice, and of course went on to work on Trump's 2016 campaign and to serve in the Trump White House. She's now the author of the book Unhinged, an insider's account of the Trump White House. So I'm Rosa, the, the last time we spoke, you said you were most interested in hearing Ivanka's test testimony during this fraud trial. So what was your reaction to what you heard today? Well, the first thing that I noticed, Erin, was how she walked in. It reminded me so much of her mother, Ivana, when she was going through her legal woes with Donald Trump during their divorce. She would always arrive at court dressed in all black, and she would strut in like a supermodel during Fashion Week. And that's what we saw from Ivanka. That's the first thing that I noticed. But from the readout, I was really shocked to hear that she didn't take any accountability and that she claimed to not know. This is one of the most shrewd businesswomen I have ever ever sat in a boardroom with, and I've had to do that now for three seasons with her, but also to go on and work with her in the White House. She knows every detail of every single mm -hmm. engagement that she's a part of. It doesn't matter what the transaction is. She knows the names of the players. She knows the numbers, the figures, the assets. I was a little surprised that she claimed to not have any knowledge about that aspect of the deals. Right. And in fact, you know, she said, I do not recall again and again when asked about so many of the details. Amrosa, including uh, the, the project, the old post office in Washington, D.C., right? The one that Trump converted into mm -hmm. a hotel. And, 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 and you, you know, sort of were around that, obviously, as part of the, the Trump team at that time, yes. for, quite significantly. What did you make about her testimony about that project specifically? specifically. That specific deal, she should be able to tell you how many nails went into every single uh, a wall, constructed stairs. Um, this was her project. This was her baby. She not only negotiated the financing, she helped to design it. She brought in the spa. She focused on every single detail. I know this because I also got married at this particular hotel, and she was very invested in what my wedding was going to be like in terms of marketing for the project. I believe my wedding was the first wedding held there, and she was very much invested in that. She knows every single detail of this project, and I'm really, really surprised that she would undermine her, her big public persona of being a very smart, shrewd businesswoman by saying, I didn't know. I only knew about the pretty stuff, the designs and the spa. It's not believable. Right. And, and why and why do you think she did that? Because, I mean, you're giving these specific examples. And I was just saying over the years, uh, you know, knowing people who would spend time with her, uh, she did know so many details. Right. That was the whole point. People would sit mm -hmm. with her at dinner and she would be talking about room rates and revenue and every single specificity. Yes. Why, what, why do you think she did this yes. today? 
there was only one reason that she would jeopardize herself and, and perjure herself on the stand, and that's because Donald Trump told her to do that. Um, Amarosa, you, we, we were waiting for the former president to speak at a rally. You saw Don Jr. speaking. We expect him to talk about mm -hmm. this. Um, but you just heard him, you know, dangling out there the concept of Tucker Carlson for VP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just laughable. He's a showman. He can't help himself. He thinks the presidency is a White House. In fact, next we'll have uh, The Apprentice, the White House edition. I mean, to say Tucker, it just really undermines the importance and the seriousness of running for the highest office in this land. He literally thinks that he's going to hand out roses like he's on The Bachelor. Tucker is not a serious contender for vice president, and he knows that. All right, Amarosa, thank you. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Aaron. All right. And next, the breaking news. The United States carrying out airstrikes tonight in Syria, targeting a weapons storage facility uh, that may have been used to target American troops, but obviously significant strikes tonight. We'll have the breaking details on that, plus a special report on the sprawling network of tunnels in Gaza now being unveiled, because now we understand more than 100 of them already have been penetrated. Hamas fighters can emerge uh, from these uh, and vanish. The special report coming up. Breaking news, the Pentagon just announcing it's carried out airstrikes against a weapons storage facility in eastern Syria that they say is linked to Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and other Iranian-backed groups. They say it's retaliation for more than 40 attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria since October 17th. Now, all of this escalation coming in by mounting fears that Israel's war against Hamas could lead to a widening conflict with growing American involvement. Oren Lieberman, uh, our Pentagon correspondent, is out front in Tel Aviv tonight. Uh, and Oren, you know so many of the details about this. U.S. strikes in Syria. What else do you know about them? Aaron, it was a pair of F-15 fighter jets that just a few hours ago carried out an airstrike against a weapons storage facility in eastern Syria. According uh, to the Pentagon, a facility used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and Shiite militias that are affiliated with Iran's IRGC. Now, it's important, as you noted, to point out that this comes after more than 40 attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. These attacks have been in sort of ones and twos, small drones and rockets, not larger barrages. But given the pace at which we have seen these and how frequently they have come, how long this time span is in which they have come, the Pentagon, it seems, felt the need to act, calling it a precision self-defense strike. So you also see there in the language used, the Pentagon trying to make sure the situation doesn't escalate. But this isn't the first strike we've seen recently. It was right around two weeks ago that the Pentagon carried out other strikes in eastern Syria against a weapons storage facility and an ammo storage facility, again, used by Iran's IRGC and affiliated groups. So this back Back and forth there, uh, it continues, and the U.S. is watching this very closely, aware that the situation could escalate in, in unpredictable uh, ways quite easily. The U.S. very much keeping an eye on this right now, Aaron, and watching which way this goes. Yeah, and of course, fears, uh, fears of escalation when, when you see all of this. And, and Oren, obviously, the context here is, is Israel continues the ground assault on Gaza in the heart now of Gaza City. And they're announcing that they've destroyed 130 Hamas tunnel shafts so far in this war. Obviously, that's a you know, crucial target for Israel because they say command centers, weapons, uh, even hostages are, are in the tunnels. So what are you learning about the tunnels that Israel says it's taken out so far? 
Aaron, it was about a decade ago, maybe just a little bit more than that, that Israel first realized the threat of tunnels. But at the time, these were in fairly small numbers. The 2014 war saw the number of tunnels expand, and since then it has grown into what Israel calls Gaza's metro. The Israeli military controls the air and says they've encircled Gaza City on the ground. But underneath the surface, Hamas still has the advantage. Israel is going after Hamas's underground infrastructure. This soldier shows an electrical system, he says, is used to circulate air underground. The IDF says it has destroyed 130 tunnel shafts since the start of the war. That's just a small fraction of what's known as Gaza's metro. Yochaved Lifshitz, the 85-year-old Israeli woman kidnapped and released by Hamas, said through her daughter that it was like a spiderweb of tunnels underground. There are a huge, um, huge um, network of tunnels underneath. Avi Isakharov is an Israeli undercover operations veteran and co-writer of the hit show Fauda. The amount, the spread, the width and the length and the, all of it, it's like so crazy that you cannot even understand to the bottom how big it is. Israel says there are hundreds of kilometers of tunnels below Gaza. In 2018, CNN was given an exclusive look at a Palestinian Islamic Jihad tunnel inside Gaza. Its concrete walls creating a durable underground maze that favors the defender. A terrorist can pump out from this uh, hole shoot a few shots from his AK-47 or an RPG, go down, walk like 100 meters uh, to the east or to the south, and then, boom, pump out from another entrance to the same tunnel and shoot again against the Israeli forces while they're trying to understand where they are. Israel created an underground smart barrier along the Gaza border to detect the digging of tunnels crossing the border. The barrier worked, sort of. Instead of digging into Israel, militants focused on the tunnels in Gaza, a complex the IDF is now trying to destroy. The U.S. has dealt with tunnels on a different battlefield in the Middle East. ISIS dug elaborate tunnels in Mosul, Iraq, forcing the local population to help create the underground passageways. Tunnels can pose problems for even advanced militaries. But Israel faces an even greater challenge. Hamas is believed to be holding many of the approximately 240 hostages underground, possibly in different groups. And any attempt to destroy Hamas's tunnels could sink the chances of bringing them home alive. As Israel begins going after Hamas's underground infrastructure, it is a long process, Aaron, one that is very much just at the beginning, it seems. All right, Oren, thank you very much. And this comes as one Palestinian civilian... Uh, in there, uh, in Gaza, is warning that nothing is left of Gaza City above ground this evening. We talked earlier today to Mahmoud Shalabi, the aid worker whose story we've been sharing with you. He told Outfront he's no longer able to do his job in Gaza, that he's become terrified of being home at night. To be honest with you, uh, the night is scary because once the sun uh, drops, um, then the you, you would hear no noises from the street. There are already no cars, no ambulances moving. I hear the sounds of clashes. I hear the sounds of, uh, you know, um, the Israeli forces, tanks, uh, or the shells. A bit scary for everyone in the family. For the kids, for me, for my wife, we try to comfort each other. Mahmoud has three young children. The United Nations today announced that at least 99 employees working for its relief agency so far 
have been killed in Gaza. Out front next, Democrats defying expectations, of course, at the voting booth, and it has left Republicans pointing fingers. Yesterday, to me, was complete failure. Not mincing words. And China, panda politics. There are three pandas right now flying back to China from Washington. Their return is a sign of growing animosity and tension between two superpowers. Tonight, a complete failure. That is the blunt assessment from one Senate Republican after Democrats defied expectations and scored significant wins last night on Election Day. Those victories included Democrats retaining control of the governor's mansion in Deep Red, Kentucky, Ohio voters approving the right to an abortion in the state's constitution, and in Virginia, Democrats winning control of the state house. so flipping that, while keeping control of the state Senate. That is a major rebuke to the rising Republican star, the governor there, Glenn Youngkin. Republicans now evaluating what went wrong and what they need to do to fix it. It's about execution. It's about messaging. Yesterday, to me, was complete failure. You know, anybody trying to engage in culture wars is going to lose on either side. When we're talking about some social issues, they could become highly divisive and we end up not doing as well as we could have. Jeff Zeleny is out front. He's in Miami. That's the site of tonight's Republican primary debate. And, and Jeff, I want to ask you about that in a moment, because obviously that's significant. But first, I mean, this is not the day that Republicans expected really on the defensive today after last night's significant wins for Democrats. What are you hearing? Well, Aaron, it's become a familiar story for Republicans in the era of Donald Trump. Think back to 2018, 2020, 2022, and now add abortion into the mix, which has been front and center for more than a year. And that's what led to some of the results last evening. Talking to Republicans throughout the day, uh, they are uh, not despondent necessarily, but certainly disappointed. Now, this does not change the overall uh, trajectory of the next year-long campaign ahead of us. Uh, there's no doubt that President Biden still faces significant headwinds. But one thing now is clear. Abortion is a motivating factor for Democrats, and it certainly has been uh, hurting Republicans. And now Democrats were spending the day trying to think of what states they are trying to put these abortion referendums on for next year. Arizona comes to mind. Some want to try and do it here in Florida. That's more difficult, but other states also are in the mix. So uh, at the end of this day, a shot in the arm for Democrats, but hardly a predictor. Hardly a predictor, but as you point out, Arizona, right, those crucial battleground states uh, that are going to define this election, that's one of them. You get things like abortion on the ballot uh, for Democrats. Uh, maybe that gives them the, the, the shot in the arm they need for Biden. Um, the, the context here, of course, is you've got the, well, you've got the elephant in the room, not where you are uh, tonight in that room, although he is in Florida holding a rally. But the rest of the Republican candidates are going to be on that stage where you are, five of them. That's the fewest of any debate so far. So that means we're going to hear more from them, right? We are going to hear more from them. And I'm told by talking to advisors for all of the campaigns, they're going to use that extra time to uh, draw distinctions uh, between themselves, particularly Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. They have been really going after each other uh, in increasing uh, uh, a tempo over the last several weeks. And abortion, again, Aaron, is going to be front and center in this. Nikki Haley has been calling for a consensus position. The Florida governor, of course, signed a law right here in Florida having a six-week ban. Others on stage also have different views. That is just one example of the differences here. But look, all of them are trying to make the argument that it is time for a new face of the Republican Party. But the old face is still here. He's just a few miles down the road. A few miles down the road and, and, and speaking uh, at almost the same time. Jeff Zeleny, thank you.
And next, China using its pandas uh, to punish enemies, which may explain why three giant pandas on loan to the Washington, D.C. Zoo are right now, they're going home. They've been taken back to China. And an out front update tonight on Yoni Asher. You know him. We've covered that story exclusively. His two young daughters and his wife are still hostage, hostage by Hamas tonight. His words today brought European lawmakers to tears. Tonight, China punishing the United States using one of its most powerful tools. Three pandas, among the last still loaned to the United States at this hour, are on a 19-hour flight back to China. Their departure from the Washington, D.C. zoo, coming amid rising U.S.-China tensions. China now is using its pandas to, well, invest in other friendships, giving pandas to Russia and most recently Qatar. David Culver is out front. For weeks, visitors at the National Zoo in Washington have stopped by to say goodbye. I want to make sure to see them before they leave. The zoo's three giant pandas now headed to China. Zoo staff call this a hiatus in their five-decade wildly popular panda program. But Chinese officials will not say for sure if the pandas will be back. You might wonder why this even matters. There are, of course, far more pressing issues between the U.S. and China. But as we look deeper, tracking where pandas are leaving and where they're going, you get a better sense of the new world order China's hoping to craft. These cuddly creatures, used for China's major political and diplomatic needs, especially in places where it hopes to gain. But China says its focus is on conservation and research. President Nixon's visit to our country. Beijing's panda diplomacy with Washington, as it's called, kicked off in 1972. Following President Nixon's historic visit to China, Chairman Mao Zedong gifted two pandas to the U.S. Seeing their popularity rise amongst Americans, China sent more pandas to other zoos across the U.S., eventually loaning instead of gifting them, sometimes for up to half a million dollars per year. At its height, there were 15 pandas in the United States, but in the last decade, the numbers have dropped, coinciding with worsening U.S.-China relations. With the three pandas having now left the National Zoo, that only leaves four pandas in the U.S., currently at Atlanta Zoo. The contracts for those pandas expire next year. No word on any extension. And that could mean that by the end of 2024, the only panda in zoos in all of the Americas would be Xin Xin, right here in Mexico City. Xin Xin belongs to Mexico. She's 33. Old for a panda, but still a main attraction here. And they're bracing for a possible surge in visitors. What would you say to Americans who may not have a, a panda to visit at their zoo looking well, uh, for a visit? For the time being, come to Mexico. The pandas that leave the U.S. travel to China by plane. Their destination, the Chengdu research base of giant panda breeding. Earlier this year, videos surfaced on Chinese social media claiming pandas returning from the Memphis Zoo were being abused. A narrative partially fueled by Chinese state media. Chinese doctors defended the zoo's treatment of the panda, but others highlighting countries where pandas are seemingly living the life, like Russia. Not surprisingly, China's northern neighbor got a new pair in 2019. President Xi Jinping alongside his so-called best friend, Vladimir Putin, at Moscow Zoo. 
China has also loaned out new giant pandas to other countries, including EU nations like Denmark, Finland, and Germany. And in the Middle East, Qatar getting their first panda last year. Regions where China is looking to bolster its relations and increase its influence. Staff at the National Zoo hopeful China might one day send over more giant pandas. We're hopeful for the future. So we have submitted an application that's being reviewed. But that is up to China to decide. And Aaron, as you know well, it seems like anything involving China these days is highly politicized. Still, zoo officials tell me they don't want politics involved here. They have no intention to go to the State Department nor the White House for help. But they, of course, do want this panda program to continue. So it's up to China. All right. Thank you very much, David Culver. And next, Yoni Asher. You know him. You've seen him several times since his wife and very young daughters were taken hostage. He now has a new warning tonight for the world. Tonight, an update to a story we've been following closely with you, and that's Yoni Asher's story. We've spoken with Yoni several times. His wife, Daron, his young daughters, are hostages right now, hostages in Gaza under constant bombardment. We visited Yoni's home and he wanted to show us his daughter's toys and their empty shoes. He today spoke with EU leaders today in Brussels. He has been indefatigable in his fight to get his family home. His wife is a German citizen, a dual, and he pleaded with those leaders to do more now. Don't be mistaken to think this is Israeli war. They are knocking on your doors. The West is not next. The West is now. My family are still alive. We can still save them and all of the hostages. My family, my babies, my wife, they need to get out now. You need to use all your power in order to do so. Yoni ended his comments by reciting the Shema, one of the most important prayers in Judaism. Thanks so much to all of you for joining us. AC360 starts now. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.